0: Well, how's it going, everybody? Y'all doing good this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, do me a favor and give those that are watching us right now live online a round of applause and thank them for being a part of our worship experience. We love you guys and are grateful. No matter where you are, that you've chosen to tune in with us today and be a part of our worship experience. Well, I'm not going to rob my father-in-law's time, so I want to hurry and uh, and get him onto uh, the platform so that he can share what God has placed upon his heart. But uh, for some of you, been around our church for some time. Uh, uh, my father-in-law, Dr. Rod Masteller, is probably no stranger to some of you. He has spoken here on on uh, two or three occasions, and it's always been a tremendous blessing. And uh, I know. When After after he speaks, I always get bombarded by so many people who will come to me and say, Wow, it's amazing um, how God used him to speak to my heart. And when can we get him back? And so... Uh, unfortunately, he lives in Texas, and we wish he, he and uh, my mother in law and the rest of the family all lived with us here in Orlando. But because we're apart, um, it's sometimes challenging to get everybody together. But they just so happened to be here in town, I actually, been here this past week attending a convention. And when I learned of that, we were able to snag him so he could be a part of our worship experience today. And so, uh, let me just say this real quick. Uh, and, and, and I also just want to say, we kicked off last. Uh, Weekend, obviously, uh, we are now officially into summer, and last weekend uh, was the first uh, weekend, you know, following school being out, and uh, we kicked off a brand new series called The Summer of Love. It's really kind of our theme. Uh, We're just continuing that theme throughout the rest of our our summer months together, and so when I uh, talked with my father-in-law about speaking uh, into our hearts today and really continuing with this theme, he said, I got just the message. And so he's already kind of debriefed it with me, and I'm super excited. I'm opening up my heart i um, just ready to receive what God wants to say uh, to me today. But let me just say this, Dr. Rod Masteller, who is my father-in-law. Uh, in fact, my mother-in-law, his better half, is, is right down here on the front. My mother-in-law, Linda Masteller. So, Linda, you may just want to hold up your hand real quick and let everybody <laughs> say hello to you. And uh, they have four amazing daughters. I married the best one, uh, which is the oldest, Michelle. And, uh, and I'm sure Rod will uh, share with you in a few more mo- moments about uh, all the grandkids that go with that. But let me just say, uh, I don't know of anybody on a personal level who lives what they preach more than my father-in-law. I'm not saying he's perfect, he'll admit that. But on a consistent day-in and day-out basis, I've never been around anybody who walks with God like my father-in-law. I've learned so much from him. He's been such an incredible example to my life, not just on a spiritual level but how to be a husband how to be a father and it's been amazing just the journey we've been on together he's been pastoring for over 45 years and so there's a lot of wisdom that I lean on him just on just pastoral issues and leadership issues and you know just pastoring people and all that goes with that and he's been there done that bought the t-shirt and got the keychain to show it and it's been amazing how God has used him to have tremendous influence not just on, on, on the churches where God has used him to pastor, but in the states where he's pastored and in the nation because of his influence and other places around the world because of the opportunities that God has given him. And so with that said, I'd like for you to do what you always do, and we have guests into our house. Would you please stand to your feet and give Dr. Rod Masteller a warm round of applause.
1: Thank thank you, Rodney. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you for your response. Um, When Rodney was introducing me, um, what came to my heart kind of brought tears to my eyes. A friend of mine named John Maxwell makes this statement. True success in life is when those who know you best love you most. And I want to put that in your heart this morning. didn't plan to say that, but... That's what real love is, and today I want to talk to you about keeping the spirit of love alive, keeping the spirit of love alive. We've all been um, touched and really, in my heart, confused about these who have committed suicide this week, Kate Spade and I think his name is Anthony Bourdain. Why? Why? Center for Disease Control and Prevention said since 1999 suicide in America has increased like 30%. The last statistics in 2016 that were kept was 45,000 people committed suicide in America. What goes on inside of you is far more important than what the trappings on the outside of you. You can put on the big show, you can be friendly, you can be up and all that. You can have money, you can have fame, recognition, but what goes on inside of you is what matters. I'm 72, Linda and I tomorrow will be married 51 years. Four daughters, four weddings, (laughs) four sons in laws, (laughs) four college degrees, lots of struggles. But I felt impressed today thinking of what goes on inside of people's hearts, your life, your family. The church. What are some things that I could leave with you? And I've came back to what I've tried to practice every single day of my life. Three principles that we find in First Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm talking about keeping the spirit of love alive. The Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells us when we're born again. And if you've never been born again, at the end of the service, Chad's going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer to receive the Spirit of God in you. And he and he alone, if you'll surrender to him, will keep you from doing stupid things with your life that not only hurt you, but devastate others. So let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Let's all stand together. hate to have to explain this to you, but at my age, I'm scheduled for cataract surgery, so I can't wear my contacts, so I have to wear my glasses for distance. They're gauged for distance, but if I wear them for distance, I can't see to read, (laughs) and the bigger problem is I can't see the clock in the back of the room, (laughs) so when it's time for me to quit, y'all just go do something, but let's Read beginning with First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help others, the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he says, do not quench the spirit. And that means do not put the Spirit's fire out. And how can I keep from doing that? And how can I keep the spirit of love alive in my heart, in my home, and in my church? Three truths that I just want to leave with you. They're very simple. But I pray that you will practice them not in a day, but daily. Not just today, but every day, the rest of your life. I seek to do that. As Rodney so well said, I'm not perfect by a long shot. But that's one, three, three things I try to do every day, and that is rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Apply these principles to your life. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you take the word and apply it to each of our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me see it, please. The first thing that we find is, if you want write, to write it down, is to rejoice always. I call it this. Make a choice to rejoice. How many of you know that your life is a choice? Life is not made up with what happens to you, but how you respond to what happens to you. God has given each of us responsibility. You have the ability to respond. You can whine. You can complain, you can gripe, but if you do, you'll put the Spirit's fire out. The Spirit of love that needs to flow through your life, through your home, through your church. By complaining, whining, whining, getting bitter, it puts the Spirit of God's fire out. And I challenge you, don't do that. I'm going to read some scriptures with you this morning, several scriptures, because I wanted you to hear from God far more than from me. But in Ephesians chapter four, you might just want to write these scriptures down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. You say, How do I stop that? You just choose. You ask the Spirit of God to help you. Not to quench the spirit, not to quench the spirit of love. But only such as good for the building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Is what you're saying building up? Are tearing down. You need to think about that. If you're tearing down, that's certainly not of God. That's of you. That's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God extends grace and love. Go on and goes on to say, And do not grieve or do not put the Spirit's fire out. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. The Word of God says, Put away bitterness. How can you know if someone is bitter? Are powders? They pout. They won't talk to you. They turn their back on you. I mean, isn't that grown up? It's like a two-year-old. Grow up. You say, how do I quit it? Quit it. Don't be a whiner. Make a choice. Make a choice to rejoice. Bitterness, the Bible says in Hebrews, It defiles many, Hebrews 12, 15, that the spirit of bitterness, a seed of bitterness will defile many. In other words, a church can be defiled by just a few people who are bitter. And I'm saying to you, if you're around someone who has unwholesome talk or who is negative, get away from them. The Bible says in Matthew 18, here's how you handle a problem. If you've got a problem, Jesus said, go to that person and tell them. Face to face. Don't tell someone else. Tell them. Amen? Amen? Tell someone else. Don't tell someone else. Tell them. And if they don't listen to you, take someone with you and say, I just want you to go with me to tell the person the truth. But you don't talk about other people behind their back. You talk to it in the face. You say, well, I don't have the courage to that. That's how you're quenching the spirit of love. That's true in your family. Just don't be talking about people. Talk to people. And goes on to say, be kind, verse 37, this is Ephesians 5. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Here's a big deal. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold bitterness. Someone has said unforgiveness is like. Someone drinking poison themselves and expecting the other person to die. Bitterness, unforgiveness destroys you. But not only that, it puts out the spirit of love that God wants to flow in your life, in your family, and in your church. Well, the Bible says in Philippians, another verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it's God who works in you, both to will and do of his good pleasure. God is at work in you. His spirit indwells you. And if you allow him to work in you, he produces love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness. He produces all that in your life. But if it's yourself, the opposite will be true. Turn or just listen as I read Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You say, how do I do that? By the Spirit of God, putting off the old and allowing the Spirit of God to have control of you, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. What is love? Love is not giving someone what they deserve. Love is giving someone what they don't deserve. That's God's grace. That's what he's given you. Aren't you glad you don't get what you deserve? Give others that. That's what that love will come from you, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Here's what the Bible teaches us, that we are to forgive, we are to be thankful, we are to be givers, and we are to choose to rejoice. And the Bible says, one of the ways you rejoice is by singing happy songs. In other words, sing songs. When they come and lead you in worship, Luke, Michelle, all of them come lead you in worship, don't just mouth the words, but sing joyful in your heart. And do that in your heart, in your home, when you're driving along in a car, when you're in traffic, sing happy songs. You know, our girls, when they were little, I've told this story before, but um, we have, again, four daughters Michelle, Kim, Crystal, and Heather. And when they were small, I used to try to get them up, their hair all in their face, and try to get them to sing some happy songs. I'd get them out of bed and said, they'd be complaining, say, Dad, we don't want to get up. And I'd say, sing some happy songs. And they'd say, Dad, don't start that stuff. We don't feel good. And their hair's all messed up. I'd say, sing some happy songs. Sing, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. It. By the time they get in, in the car or on the bus, they'd be singing. Their attitude would be better. It's amazing what true singing to the Lord will do. It's amazing, but we have to encourage each other. One day, all six of us, this was, you have to understand, this was about 35 years ago. There were six of us, and we were all in this little Honda Accord. For those of you who know who the Bible, it says, be in one accord. We were all in one accord. (laughs) So we were all, and and what was happening was, there were three of them in the backseat, Michelle and Kim and Crystal, and then, Back then, we didn't have the regulations we have now, like seat belts. So Heather was sitting on Linda's lap. They, I was driving. They were, we were going to the airport. And so they were going to drop me off at the airport. And as, they, as we were pulling out of the audition, uh, they were fussing in the back. She's on my side. She's on my side. She's on my side. I said, girls, don't you know some happy songs? And Kim said, don't start that happy song stuff, Dad. You're sitting in a seat up there by yourself. <laughs> we're crowded back here. I said, oh, just sing some happy songs. Then all of a sudden, Kim said, "Michelle's spilled her makeup. I said, don't worry about it. Just brush it off on the floor. I'll get it when I get back from my trip. They said, no, Dad, it's liquid makeup. I said, you got to be kidding. So I got out of the front seat, opened the back door, and I said, Michelle, get out. She got out, and there was brown liquid makeup all over my grave lower seats. I couldn't believe it. I went, yuck, just get back in and sit in it. And I slammed the door, and I got in the front seat. I took off driving. It was quiet in the car. Cars are important. And as I was driving along, Kim said, Dad. I said, Kim, be quiet. She said, Dad. I said, Kim, what do you want? She said, Hey, Dad, do you know any happy songs? <laughs> hey, listen. Sometimes you need to encourage each other. Someone bad-mouthing, someone down, someone, just say, do you know any happy songs? "Ben duck. But hear, hear what I'm saying. You have a choice to make every day. You can choose to get up and rejoice, or you can choose to be a griper, a complainer, bitterness controlling your life. Choose to rejoice. Daily choose to rejoice. Secondly, the Bible goes on to say, it in, in, is pray without ceasing. And I would say to you, there's not anything more important in my life than prayer. God taught Linda and I to pray many ways, but one way that God really taught us to pray is when our one of our daughters ran away from home. Before she ran away from home, she told me she hated me, hated the fact that she had to live up to my standards. Bring a preacher's kid isn't easy. But she ran away from home. We didn't know where she was. I'll never forget the night I got on my face in my closet and wept before God and said, God, I've done everything I know to do. Police, highway patrol, praying station, we've gone everywhere we know to go, but our daughter's gone. Would you bring her home? I learned that passionate, dependent prayer really matters. One day, God brought her home, and God took him and put her at Liberty University where she became a mighty woman of God. And you wouldn't believe what God's done in her life. And here's, I've got some good news for you. If you have a wayward child, and as Chad said earlier, if there's a dark time in your life, choose to rejoice. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Don't allow bitterness. You say, how? By turning your life to the Spirit of God. Don't quench the Spirit. Rejoice to say, Lord, I rejoice in you. I praise you. I adore you. I magnify you. I'm not going to talk ugly talk. I'm not going to be putting others down. I'm not going to hold grudges. But another way is to fall on your face before God and say, God, I can't, but you can. Every man in the room, in fact, every mother in the room, I'd like for you to write down three things, three words about prayer that I pray every single day, not most days, every single day. Here's what I pray every day for my children, and for my wife, for myself. We have, there's, there's 22 that I pray for in the family by name. We have 11 grandchildren, and then all the other family, and then our older grandchildren are finding friends, and it's increasing my prayer. <laughs> you all understand what I mean? <laughs> Rebecca got married, and now Ashlyn's dating someone. I'm praying for Dylan, too. It just keeps increasing. Then I pray for my pre- some preacher boys that are, are mine. But here's three things I pray every day. Lord, you promise to protect us. So I pray you protect them. I can't protect them. I can't be with them. But I promise, I pray you'll protect them. The Bible says in Isaiah 41.10 that the Lord will protect us. Do not fear. Do not anxiously look about. For the Lord your God will protect them. I will provide for you. I will protect them. Isaiah 41.10. And not only do I pray for protection, but I pray for, for provision. The Lord will provide whatever they need. The Bible says in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But not only do I pray for protection and provision, but I pray for his presence to guide them. And that's the most important prayer. The word of God says it's God that works in us both the will and do of his good pleasure. I pray, I pray every day, God, please work in my daughters. Please work in my grandchildren. Every day, may they hear from you. The Bible says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and they follow me. More than anything else in life, I pray that my children, my family will follow me. I pray you'll write those down. Every day, every single day, not most days, every day, pray. God, protect them, provide for them, and may your presence guide them. So here's what you must do every day is make a choice to rejoice. You can complain, you can gripe, but you don't have to. You can choose to rejoice. And then secondly, pray without ceasing. And then finally, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to put something on the screen. In everything give thanks. This is the third thing. In everything give thanks we put that up number three in everything give thanks have an attitude of gratitude have an attitude of gratitude and under that I've tried to make a statement it's this God is in control and God is good would you say that with me God is in control and God is good why do these things happen to me Why did God allow this to happen to me? Why? I don't know the answer, but I know this. After 72 years of life, 51 years of marriage, four daughters, 11 grandchildren, all that in my history, here's what I know. God is in control, and God is good. I get to worry about our country and the mess we're in. I'm sure you don't do that. But the division we have, you know what my wife says to me? She said, Rod, God's in control. And God is good. I said, don't preach my sermons. <laughs> Men, I want to tell you. Ladies, I want to tell you, God is in control and God is good. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. God's in control and God is good. Julie. Is Julie still there? Where's Julie? There's Julie. Man, what a blessing you are to my life. God can take cancer and turn it into the very best thing that has ever happened to you. Julie, you're a tremendous inspiration to so many. Thank you for allowing God, for you choosing to rejoice, you choosing to pray, you choosing to have an attitude of gratitude. The Bible says, "No matter what happens to you, you have to make a choice to accept the fact that God will use it for good." Romans eight twenty eight says, "And all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose." I wish I could just sit down a chair right here as a daddy or a granddaddy and say to you, "Don't allow." Bitterness to get a hold of your life. You say, but they done me wrong. You can sing they done me wrong song all you want, but I'm telling you, it'll make you miserable. Forgive them. Love them. Don't allow the spirit to be quenched in your family because of you, in your church because of you. The only hope for our nation is a spirit-controlled church that allows the Spirit of God to control you by rejoicing, by praying, by being thankful. I don't know if you've ever been in a drought, but most of you have. But as I've aged, one of the things I do every single time I drop of rain falls, I look at it and I say, God, thank you for every single drop of rain. Wouldn't we be in a mess without water? Are you thankful for everything? God says in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How many of you like chocolate cake? Any of you like chocolate cake? I love chocolate cake. Look <laughs> like chocolate cake, I know. But have you ever wondered what was in chocolate cake? I'm sure you have. Flour, have you ever tried to eat flour by itself? You just put it in a bowl, but man, how about baking soda? Have you tried baking soda by itself? Raw eggs, you can do it, but it's horrible. How about cocoa powder by itself? But isn't it interesting if you take all that and mix it all in a bowl and put it in a pan and then put it in the fire, put it in the oven, it comes out what? What does it come out? Chocolate cake. Say that with me. It comes out chocolate cake. Now say this God is in control and God is good. Here's what I want you to hear the struggles, the heartaches, the challenges you face in life, God will cause them to turn out chocolate cake if you'll trust Him. My heart. My age is to love you and want the best for you. Don't do something stupid with your life because you got hurt. Hold a grudge, be bitter. That's so stupid. It's drinking, poisoning, and thinking the other person's going to die. Don't do that to your family. Don't do that to your church family. God will take what's happened to you if you will rejoice in him and pray to him and turn it for good. Y'all with me? He really will. You know, um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I don't know how many of you know much about the Old Testament one of my favorite stories in the Bible is about a man named Joseph. I remember Joseph, the boy that had a coat of many colors. y'all remember him? In Genesis chapter 37, his father favored him and gave him a coat of many colors. It made all of his eleven brothers jealous. And that was a bad thing, wasn't it? Not really, because his brothers, instead of killing him, put him in a pit. They got so jealous they put him in a pit. Well, that's a bad thing, wasn't it? Not really because there was a Ishmael caravan coming along going to Egypt and they sold him to this Ishmael caravan. Well, that's a bad thing, isn't it, as a slave? Not really because, you see, God is in control and God is good. And they took him on to Egypt and a man named Potiphar, who was head of the Egyptian army, bought him as a slave. That was a bad thing, wasn't it? Because he's a mean man. Not really, because God is good and God is in control. And the Bible says over and over in that passage of Genesis that God was with Joseph. You know why God was with Joseph? Because he trusted him. He didn't get bitter. He rejoiced. I'm sure he prayed. And he'd say, you know, I don't understand this, but God's in control. The favor, I mean, the... um, Potiphar put Joseph over all of his house. Everything that mattered, Potiphar, because God was with Joseph, and Joseph kept a good attitude. He put him over all of his house. But Potiphar's wife was evil, and she tried to trap Joseph into doing something that was immoral. But Joseph finally kept telling her no, and finally he ran away from her. And she grabbed his cloak. You all remember the story? She grabbed his cloak and she told her husband, Joseph tried to rape me. So that was really bad, wasn't it? Well, not really, because Potiphar put Joseph in prison. Boy, that's horrible, isn't it? Not really, because God is good and God is in control. And in prison, God allowed Joseph to have the favor of God because Joseph kept his attitude right. Even when things were bad, he was in prison. And then there was a baker and a butler that was thrown in prison from the Pharaoh. It was the Pharaoh's butler and baker. And they both had dreams. And Joseph, by God's spirit, was able to interpret the dreams. And the baker or the butler was said that he was going to be, uh, pardon me, I get confused, but the baker Said that he was going to uh, be blessed of God. Or he had this dream and he couldn't inter- interpret it. And Joseph said, You're going to be blessed of God. And then the butler said, well, I'm glad. I got this dream. What about me? And he said, You're going to die. They went back and Joseph said to the baker, Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Remember me when you see the Pharaoh. Guess what? He forgot. That's a bad thing, wasn't it? Not really. Because God is good and God is in control. But at the right time, Pharaoh had a dream. And God, by his spirit, in timing. Hear me closely. God's far more concerned about timing than he is time. The right timing, the right way, God will bring it to pass. So at the right time, Pharaoh had a dream. And the butler said, I know who can help you. So he got the guy out of prison, Joseph out of prison, and he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, that there would be five years of, I mean, seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And someone needed to supervise it. And so Pharaoh said, I'm going to choose Joseph because he's the one that can interpret dreams. And God was on him. And so here's what happened. After the famine started, Joseph's brothers came to get food because there was famine everywhere. And they, Joseph, revealed himself to his brothers after a long period of time. And they were so afraid. They thought Joseph was going to harm him. But here's what Joseph said. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good that many people could be saved. Julie, cancer may come, but joy comes in the morning. Your joy, I was watching you worship a while ago, your peace, your smile inspires me so much, and it wouldn't, I wouldn't even know you had cancer not come to you. God is in control and God is good. Church family, very simple message this morning. But I wanted to you just to hear from my heart. My heart is this God loves you. He has a great purpose for each one of you. Don't allow the stuff of this world to make you bitter. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to keep your mouth shut and don't be critical. Be quick to rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Don't let bitterness get you. And then be a person of prayer. Pray for protection, pray for provision, pray for God's presence to guide you and your family. And then have an attitude of gratitude. God is good and God is in control. Amen? Amen. Say this after me. God is good good. and God God is in control. Please look at my heart, look at my eyes. God really loves you. This planet was made for you. All of this was made for you. He sent Jesus for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins. And by receiving Christ into your life, you can be forgiven. And the spirit of love will fill you. And so it's so important as that happens as believers to keep the spirit of love alive in your heart, in your family, in your church. So that those who are around you don't get poisoned, but get blessed. Amen. Let's stand together.